It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Wow. Good to see you. Good seeing you, too. I want to know if the dream you dreamed about having this career mm-hmm. has already exceeded the dream, or are you living the dream? Did it look like this? Exceeded the dream. It exceeded the dream. It exceeded the dream. At 32 in a few days, <laughs> you've exceeded the dream. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Happy. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Yes. So um, now you got to dream a bigger dream. Yes. I think um, over time, it's always been small success to small success to small success. Yeah. And we set these goals. And, you know, God's been giving me everything I want at an extreme rate. So it's like, OK, I got to recalibrate. I got to figure out what the next benchmark is. What's the next set of goals that I want to accomplish? So. At 32, it's been. Um, it's Are been you about ready fruitful. to dream a new dream? I am. Yeah, I am. I think I... that's so interesting because you say God's already exceeded any expectation that you had. Yes. And when you are starting out, you're just happy to get a role, right? Yes, Yeah. A lot of people don't understand, I guess, the process of acting and kind of, you know, the audition process. Yeah. Or, you know, when you first start out, you kind of are at the mercy of what you're casted for. Yeah. But when you get in a position to be able to say no to things or... um, Because another thing with with acting, you become way more famous and popular than you are financially stable. (laughs) So... So, so people think you're richer than you actually oh, are. Oh, for sure. I mean, Particularly in the beginning, right? Especially in the beginning. Especially in the beginning. Coming from Newark, New Jersey, they see you on, you know, on a commercial or, you know, a print yeah. ad in the, you know, the Sunday newspaper, and they think you're a millionaire and you're, yeah. you're good to right. go. Like, let me right. borrow this, let me borrow and that. Do, I was going to say, and do you find that people ask for money in direct proportion how much they think you have? I, what they what they think I have, what, yes. Yeah, what yes. they think what you they think have. Because I, I remember when I was working in Baltimore, everybody only needed 500. Okay. And, and that then, was cool. Yes, that was cool. management. That was cool. That was cool. And then as soon as I moved to Chicago, it was 5,000. <laughs> and then now people would just call me up. I need $50,000. Like, like, yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. No, it's definitely been a thing. It's, you know how, you know, with the announcements and trades and everybody's announcing the things that we have going on, they equate that to a total different... Yeah. 
financial situation. But are you catching up now? You're catching, catching up. You're catching up. I'm being smart, you know, um, constantly reinvesting into the dream. You know, I've yeah. never been a really materialistic person, so I think my family has always been the first order of business. And then I, once I get that kind of taken care of, then it's like, all are right. Are you still living at home? We're still living together. Okay. <laughs> we're, still, we're still living together. Yeah, 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 we're together. Where that you works at? for you? My mom in here somewhere. Yeah. yeah there you go. Your mom's yeah. in here. My mom, my aunt, my cousins. My oh, my uncles. God. I saw your mom. Remember, I saw your mom at an event late December. Yep. Your mom gave me a rum cake. That she did. We, she gave me a rum cake. I took that rum cake home. Stibbitt had that rum cake for breakfast. <laughs> I saw the video. It was very sweet. Thank you so yeah, much. The, it made her whole You made everything. the best rum cake yeah. we've ever had in our lives. Thank you so much. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Yo. So, Fruitvale obviously was a turning point. Yes. For me, as a man, as an actor, you know, I've always been a part of an ensemble cast. I mm -hmm. never had a chance to... You know, you have very talented actors out there that can't open up a movie or can't be the lead of right. a film. And I really wanted to know what type of actor I was going to be. If I had the ability, if I had the skills to, yeah. to open up a film, and Fruitville Station was the first one I had a chance to be the lead and, you know, the success that we had at, you know, at Sundance and then, you yeah. know, um, critically, it, it did very well. And now you and Ryan Coogler have this thing, you know, it's like Aaron Sorkin has Jeff Daniels mm -hmm. and the Coen brothers have Francis McDormand and you and Ryan have this... What is it? Symbiosis. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a brotherhood. I think it's, a, um, you know, we're the same age. We're from similar places. You know, he's from Oakland. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. And um, it, it, it's a... What does it feel like to be in his care? Like, you know he's he's there directing. And it feels like what? Confidence. Okay. Trust. Trust, yeah. You know, being comfortable. You know, mm -hmm. being able to... He says, run through this brick wall. You know, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go for it. You know, it, it, you know it's not going to hurt. Just run through that brick wall. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Because I know he won't put me in a position... That's good. ...that's going to be, you know, that's going to that's gonna hurt me or damage me in any type of way. We have an understanding of, of what we're trying to build and what we're trying to do. You know, any movie that I want to do that, you know, that we want to say something, we want to have any type of uh, meaning to it and really, 
you know, have, have a message to come across, Ryan's the guy for that, you know? He, and he's not gonna get into something that he doesn't fully have his heart into. So that's when it started to take off. And did you say, hmm, this is good. This is good right here. I said... And then along comes Creed, and then Creed too. Did, what, did, what, did, what were you saying to yourself? Hmm. You want to be perfectly honest? When, before we even shot one frame of Fruitvale Station, Ryan already pitched to me Creed 1. Really? And was like, hey, do you want to go shoot this movie about Apollo Creed, son? And I was like, cool, let's do it. And this is before we even started filming Fruitvale Station. So it was that type of trust that we had from the beginning. That's great. So it was like, okay, let's do it. That's also great because I know a lot of actors, when they're in the starting out particularly, mm. there's this feeling like, will this be my last film? And what will be the next film? And how will I build on this? So you didn't even have that. You I already did knew. have that, though, because I wasn't... But you already knew you were going to work. But he didn't... <laughs> Sly didn't even say yes, you know? We, it yeah. was one of those things that was in the infancy yeah. stages that we didn't... I, it was... Nothing was guaranteed, and I think that's how I always approach everything, that nothing's guaranteed, and I got to treat every situation that I'm in like it could be my last. Just because the fear of, you know, lack of opportunity. So I think that's what kind of really got the gears turning towards production and ownership and being able to write and create so I could be able to control my own destiny a little bit more, you know, not, not wait on the incoming phone calls. Yes. Take a page out, out your book a little bit. Thank you. Nice page. Nice page. In her book, Michelle Obama talks about the intense responsibility she felt as being a part of the first uh, African-American family to occupy the White House. Now, you're not the first black movie star. No. Nope. <laughs> but you are part of a very elite group. And so I guess I'm wondering if there's a place where race and uh, art intersect for you? Like, do you choose things based upon something bigger than whatever whatever's going on in the moment? Yes, I think, you know, that's a, that's a kind of complicated question, but for me, I always found myself being the Trojan horse. Mm. I always looked at myself as like the guy who could infiltrate and, and kind of keep the door open you know, and kind of open it up as much as I can. So there was a time right after Fruitville Station where I only wanted to go out for roles that was written for white males, you know, Caucasian males. I didn't want anything that, in the breakdown, if it came up as African-American, I didn't want to do it because I felt like there was a certain bias, you know, from writers that were writing from what they experienced or what they saw right, in the right, news right. media. You know, they never really had, a, you know, contact with, you know, black and brown people. So they were writing from their experiences which came with a certain bias. And you wanted to say, I can do it all. I can do whatever it is. Yeah, I yeah. want the roles that Leo's playing, that Tom, that, you know, Bradley, we're Cooper in here. You know, whatever. That Bra Bradley, Bradley's got out time there. for yeah, you. That's yeah. my guy, you know? And, and, yeah. and, you know, Bradley and Ben and, and Matt, those are people that kind of took me, you know, in and gave me advice very early and, um, and kind of encouraged me to continue to do the things that I'm doing. So my mind state was like, okay, if I could do a role that was written for them, you know, Inherently, of course, me playing the role is going to make it that. It doesn't need to be in a breakdown that it's African-American from X, 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 Y, and Z. And I'd read that there was also some consideration because when your mother was on the set of Wire and you were killed, yes. that your mom had like a little breakdown thinking it was actually She's you. She's a crier. She's a crier. She's a crier. Yeah. And so mom, you had decided you were not going to do roles where you're killed anymore, but you are definitely dead as a killmonger in uh, Black Panther. I'm I'm definitely dead in that movie, yes. 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 And, and, um, it's, and it's one of those things where... It's something that Denzel said. You know, he wanted, he was like, you know, he he wanted the audience to view him as somebody that survived in the movie, that was the hero. So they can get used to seeing you as the lead, as the hero character. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'm tired of dying. I would love to make it to like the end credits. <laughs> 
So let's let's switch it up a little bit. So yeah, yeah mom, mom had a lot to do with that, and Denzel also kind of giving me that little piece of advice that I felt like would help me out in the future. So even though you died, mm -hmm. in, it, 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 Ryan, it was worth it. It was worth it. And he's Ryan signed on to do the next version mm -hmm. of Black Panther. So will you be resurrected? I know nothing. You know nothing. The crazy thing is, like, everybody assumes me and Ryan are so close that he tells me everything. He keeps things from me. Like, I literally have to, like, trick him into answering certain questions. But he doesn't, he doesn't, uh... He doesn't he, divulge. He can keep a secret. Okay. He can keep a secret. Would you like to be revived? I would. I think that would be pretty cool. I think it's Wakanda. Anything I can happen. I think it's Wakanda. Anything, anything, for anything sure. can happen. Okay. Yeah. I heard a rumor, there's been this buzz, that you're going to be the next Superman. Yeah, that was, that was a rumor. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> I did. I heard that. I heard, I, heard, I heard a few rumors buzzing around. I think just to be in those conversations, it's flattering and very humbling that they would like Would you know. like to be Superman? <laughs> it's tough. You know why? Because I hate being a businessman also and, like, understanding both sides of, of the situation. And I yeah. think there's a huge upside to it, but then there's just being under that microscope of just being picked apart and compared to so many different versions of Superman, I, I, would, I would rather do something original. Really? But... But the yeah. chance to be Superman... I mean, it's, it's cool. ...in your skin... I'll be Calvin, I'll be Calvin Ellis. You know, there's, a, there's another version of Superman that from Earth-23. I'm a comic book guy. Okay. You know, so Calvin Ellis is like, you know, Earth-23. I don't there's know who you're talking about, but so okay. So, so, and I just had a little moment where I'm like, am I going to act like I know what he's saying? <laughs> Do I just do that little kind of, oh, yeah, Calvin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, oh, yeah. There's, a, there's another version of Superman in another dimension that is black already in the comic books that exist. And I think the, 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 the comic book, you know, purists can accept that more than me being, uh, you know, Clark Kent from Kansas. And, yeah. I, 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 that's, a different, that's a different thing. So. That's, a, that's a very that's different thing. That's a different thing. Very different thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I read somewhere, and I think this is really important for anybody, that you had said it's more important what you say yeah, because we can reuse them. It's very fancy. Yeah, it is good. I was like, nice. metal straws. I'm mm -hmm. cool with that. Uh, that you've said that what you say no to is equally as important as what you say yes to. I think that's important for everybody in their life, but in particular in choosing roles, right? Yeah, no, nah, yeah. for sure. It, yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, you can't, you can't do everything. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be oversaturated. I, you know, I don't want everybody to see me, you know, 24-7, 365, you know, you know, year after year. You know, I, I want to do things that really move the needle in one way. You know, I, I want to be very, you know, strategic about the moves that I make and the, and the, you know, the roles that I play because you're immortalized forever. You know, once you, you get in front of that camera, you know, and, and, you, and you shoot a film, that's something that people can, you know, go back to and dissect over and over again. So you want to do things that you're proud of and you really, you know, you have skin in the game. Let's talk about the day the nominations came out, mm -hmm. and Black Panther, with its $1.3 billion grossing around yeah. the world, <laughs> which has changed everything, yeah. you know? People said people wouldn't watch films in different parts of the world, and then you see people in all over the world who are lined up for that film. How are you feeling then, first of all? And then we'll get to the... Feeling no. when, when, when... When people are lined up. You saw what was happening. It was insane. People were dressing up. They thought they were from Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thought they were from Wakanda. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I think it was crazy to see, like, all the memes and the videos, the home videos from the fans at home, and yes. just everybody, like, you know, with their, their permanent marker Killmonger beards yes, and wigs yes, yes, and stuff yes, like yes. that. I felt inspired. I felt like I was really a part of something special that was a lot bigger than me, you know? It was a lot bigger than the movie itself. It, it was, it was given... It was giving kids and generations a chance to dream again, you know, dream 
not even again, just to see yourself in a way that you never even imagined. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So for me, the whole Black Panther movement before, you know, before the box office numbers and all that good stuff was just anxiety, nervous, proud. Uh, uh, when will when will it end? When is it going to stop? You know, yeah. when, when, when is... Uh, but when you all were on set doing it, I mean, I just saw you all get the Screen Actors Guild the other day yeah. as an ensemble. Y'all look so happy and so good up there. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like being with your family all over yes. again. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, uh, when you're doing it... You got to move Andy closer. Yes, yes. We got to, like, we got to yeah, move Andy bit. closer. Hey, when you're doing it, do you know that this is going to be as big as it is? Do you feel some kind, something energetically? Like, this is different than other stuff? We felt like we had all the pieces needed to do something special. And if we did our job every day and we didn't take it for granted that we could do something special. But there's no way that we could have assumed that it no. was going to do no. what, what, what it's done so about far. No, no, no. Can, no, not at no, all. No, no. We were just making sure that we took care of the opportunity. You know, that if this, we thought about if this doesn't work, when will there be another one? If we don't do this right, we can't we can't mess this up. I think that was kind of the thing that that really drove me personally, and I know some of the other you know um, other actors as well kind of thought about it a lot. It's like we can't mess this up. The path to retirement is different for everyone, and as life changes, so do priorities. Fidelity can help you get where you want to go with a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights. You'll be set to take on retirement, whether you're saving for it or already living in it. Get started at fidelity.com slash take on. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. So this is the first time you're in a film that's nominated for Best Picture. Yes, ma'am. Does that feel different? Does the actual... Um, acknowledgement from the Academy, what does that mean? I think, of course, you know, if, if you're an actor, if you're in our industry, you know, obviously being able to get nominated for an Oscar is on the list of things that you want. You know, yeah. it would be amazing to grab that. I think with this movie in particular, with the cast that we have and the, the impact that it's made culturally that it's already won, you know, it won for... Yeah, I think that's it. To, kids, the um, box office, what it's doing to the industry as far as the way people think about films moving forward, especially people of color, you know, and, um, and, and, and um, it, 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 it won then. So now this is like the icing on the cake, you know? Now it's everybody else's, um, everybody else is putting the pressure on us of how it feels, and we're really happy and excited that we've come this far, yeah. you know? Um, the acknowledgement, of course, would be cool, but... You know, I think, I think we've already, already won. Already won. Okay, so you're going, obviously. Mm -hmm. You already know what you're wearing. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. Yep. Who are you taking as a date? I don't know yet. I think it's like a perfect moment. Ma, you want to go with me? <laughs> I haven't even talked about it. Ma, you want to go? Aww. Done. There it is. Done. That's my date. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I would think, I would just think that it would be pretty hard for you to date about now. 
being you at this point. Why do we always gotta get here? We gotta. Oh, man. We gotta. It is, it is hard. We, we, it gotta, is. we gotta get here, otherwise people will say, I did not do my job. <laughs> but, um, but how do you find someone who can step into this ride with you at this particular time? That's a great question. I don't. I don't know how. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm. Wor you I'm need a nice it. church girl. I need a good church girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. I don't. I don't know what I need. Honestly, you know, it's. It's. Um. Aunt Ramona, what do we need? What do we need? What am, what am I looking for? I, I don't. I don't know. I think for me, it's. Um, Hopefully she'll reveal herself when I'm, when I'm ready for that. Yes, that's you what know? will happen. But here's the thing: you're turning 32 this week, and um, I, I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not gonna stay on that long. Just I just did, everybody wants to know. Okay. No, no. Um, so I remember so well turning 32 because it's the year we launched the Oprah Show that it went national. Okay. Okay. And my life took off like a rocket. And here's the thing. You know this, that when you're riding the rocket, life becomes like a blur. Yes. That you literally don't even know where you're going. I remember so many days that I wouldn't read the itinerary till I came home because yes. to read it before would like be... Give you, you so much. Yeah, you would wouldn't just, stop working. Yeah, yeah, I just, just go where the people tell me to go. Mm -hmm. So you, you're on that rocket right now. How do you keep things from blurring and keep from not going numb to things around you? Okay, how do, because I, I can look back now on, on my life and think there's so many things that happened. I don't even remember I was there. I can see a tape and say, it looks like me. <laughs> people are telling you about moments and you're yes, like, yeah, yeah, that sounds Especially about, people right. who say, Oprah, remember me. Oh, oh yeah, man, yeah. that's so tough. Like, please don't put that pressure on me. I'm so sorry, like, yes. I can't. Remember. And then when they say, what's my name? Yeah, yeah. Then I say. <laughs> That's why I always go, it's a pleasure to see you again instead yeah. of nice to meet you. It's I just go, woo, that's you. <laughs> See, I don't think anybody... Whoa, look at you! But nobody... But nobody will ever oh call God, her look out. look at you! Yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet. You haven't gotten there no, yet? No, no, because nobody's gonna call you out. <laughs> they're, they're still calling me out. Oh, <laughs> I, I do get called out about, for, like, remember me, what's uh -huh. my name? I think that's so rude, by it, the way. It is. Yeah. It's a little unfair for us. It's enough if we're acting like we know you, so just take that. <laughs> take that. Just, just be gracious. Take that instead of what's my name. Okay, so the question is, how do you, in the midst of all this, are you working on? And I, I would say, I wish I had done more work at the time on centering and taking it in, because so much of it is a blur. So what are you doing now to, to manage that for yourself? It's the meditation. It's the the spiritual kind of connection that you have to be able to ground yourself and center yourself. That you're protected, moving in these spaces that are constantly taking things from you, your energy, you know, um, you know, just that's, dr that's draining throughout yeah. your life. So when I am on the road, and this is something that I need to work on and I need to do it more, more often because things are getting a little bit more intense for me. Is Blurry, it gets blurred. Because you're all, yeah, like you said, you said it perfectly. You're going from one place to another. You know, people are, you know, pushing you here, answer this question. And you're coming you're in the back door. Room. You don't even know what hotel you're in. You at have to get all. up and ask, look at the phone. Sometimes you just walk into a room and be like, oh, this is what we're doing. Hey, yeah. what's up, guys? Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and you're on again. So I think just finding moments um, to center yourself, to ground yourself, to kind you of You said connect. meditation. So does that mean you, like, actually, hmm? There, there, that, that has, like, Meditation has a lot of baggage to it. I think this yeah. is, there's a lot of, you know, stereotypical, you know, you're sitting there, you know, legs crossed, you know, yeah. incense burning, but you are setting a scene and creating an environment for, for energy to, 
to come to you yeah. and for you to kind of center yourself. So you are, you know, taking deep breaths. You are holding thoughts of what you, you want to happen. You are sending your energy out into the universe to take care of whatever needs to take care of. So when you physically walk into that space, it's already done. Yeah. You know, and yeah, those I are got things that. that, that I'm, I'm still a baby at, and I'm still learning, you know, but I've surrounded myself and have family and friends, you know, that, that believe in that, that protect me, that pray you, for me, you know? Uh, I, I was just going to ask the, the prayer question. Are you mm. a prayer, more, a prayer. Or, or a meditator? Both. I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, hand in hand. So yeah. I think it's prayer and meditation. It, it's, it's, uh, it's both. And do you think that you live the life that you do because you've been prayed up? 1,000%. Yeah. It has nothing to do with... And that's why when, when I think sometimes I get uncomfortable, I'm still learning how to take a lot of compliments and appreciation for things that I do because I'm just the vessel for a lot of things. And mm -hmm. I realize that I got to stay out my own way and kind of stick to what I'm doing. So when people say, you know, you know, they, you know, they give me a lot of compliments and it's like, cool, but I just, I, I try not to really listen or just feed into it that much because I know it's just a lot bigger than that. Because you know? it's so hard when you are on the rise and you're surrounded by everybody mm -hmm. who says yes to you and just wants to know, do you want sparkling or flat or yeah. water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where everybody's just like, what can I get you? What can I get yes, you? It's hard to stay centered. So I would say this. My assessment of you having watched you is that you are a young man who we can see has been raised well. You've been raised well. So what is the lesson? I see your mama going, yes, I did. Uh -huh. Yeah. So what, what is the number one lesson from your parents or the lessons that stuck? I know it's not one thing, mm -hmm. but what is the essence of it? Like how you were raised that allows you to be at 32 to stand inside yourself the way you do? Great question. Um, I think my parents are very different, but very much so the same. Mm -hmm. So I think for my dad, I kind of always gotten the, the life lesson of, at a very young age, you have to find something you're serious about, something you care about, something you pa you're passionate about, and take it seriously. Just, just find something and take it seriously. Put the, the time and the effort. That's where I get a lot of my work ethic from. Mm -hmm. I seen him go to work, you know, work nights. You know, uh, when I'm going to school, he's like, you know, either passed out trying to like, you know, wake up on the couch to see me off or, you know, he's asleep. By the time I get home, he's going out to work. Like, I've seen him put the time in and I know what it takes. I know what goes into, you know, being a man and, 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 and being a tip of the spear of a household. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen, so I think that's what I kind of got, like, you know, from my dad. That's a lesson that I, I, I take with me to everything that I do. You know, it's from, the work ethic. It's the work ethic. Okay. It, taking some, find something that you're serious about and be serious about it, you know, and really, and really, you know, hone your craft. Right. Or your lane and your business or whatever it is. And that's kind of where I got my work ethic from. I think my mom is her heart, is yeah. the, um, like the humanity, my ability to feel. I'm an empath, you know what I'm saying? So I think the, the ability to feel people and, and, and interact with energies and, and finesse and just navigate that is uh, a lesson that I'm constantly learning and trying to, you know, get better at. But I think I get that from my mom for sure, is that, you know, pulling on emotions, you know, I think it helps me out a lot with my acting. I think it helps a lot with me as a person, you know. Um, 
just trying to be genuine to the universe, man, and to people. You know, we're all living here and just trying to, you know, I know it's going to come back to me, you know, in a, in a way. Yeah, and that's my religion. Is the third law of motion, what you put out is coming back. Exactly. I live my, way, my life that way. What is the defining value system that you hold for how you lead your life? That you're going to get what you, what you, you're, you're going to get back what you, what you put out. Mm -hmm. And as broad and vague as, as that is, I think it's very specific to a lot of things that you do throughout throughout your life. You know, I think when it comes to business, when it comes to personal relationships, when it comes to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, what you put into yourself is what you're going to get out. You know, um... So do you work on giving yourself good stuff? What do you feed yourself I'm, spiritually, emotionally? I've always put myself last, and that's what I'm working on. Honestly. Really? I'm working on taking care of myself now because mm -hmm. I think I've gotten by on youth and pure energy. <laughs> and your dimples. Maybe dimples, maybe I got by with them too. Dimples are working for you. <laughs> for, for, for a while now. <laughs> and I, and I, gotta, I think I gotta need to start reinvesting in myself more and taking time for me. I, I've always, you know, in your, in your mind, it's like, when I get to this point, I'll start working on myself. Or when I get to that point, and you just always keep going because you don't want things to stop. Or you remember a time where, you know, you weren't getting the incoming phone calls and you were sitting at home, you know, not knowing what to do. So I think I've been in this kind of cycle of I got to keep working. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. So Are you there? But aren't you like, didn't, didn't I just read? You just did a deal with Amazon. You just did a deal with Warner Brothers. Everybody's knocking on your door. Knock, knock, knock. I'm almost, I feel like I'm almost there. I, like I, put, I put down a certain things in place. Like I've, I saw it already. I, I've seen it a couple years ago. So I'm like, okay, I need this in place. I need that in place. I need this in place. Do you place. have like a physical vision board or do you physically man uh, have a vision for where you want to go? Both. Yeah. I, I, I daydream all the time. You know, I'm always, I'm always daydreaming. I'm always, I, you got to see it first. I got to yeah. see the steps. So yeah. I, like, I like seeing where I want to go and then reverse en engineering the steps, how to get there. And of course, things are going to change and, you know, you, you know, adapt to, you know, life and things that come at you. Did but... you see yourself in a $1.3 billion movie? <laughs> I didn't, but I saw myself in a superhero film and a film that had impact. You did? You know, I did. I always told my, I think I was, it might have been like right around 2013 or so. I, I said, I wanted to be Black Panther, you know, because I was the only character that I knew that was, like, black. And I was like, man, I want, I want to play Black Panther, Black Panther one day. That was what I saw. That's what I told myself. Now, I wasn't Black Panther, but I was in Black Panther. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, things are going to change from how you see it, but... And isn't it fun playing the villain? Isn't it, it fun? is. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Where did you go to get all that nastiness? <laughs> I, went, I, was, I was by myself, I isolated myself. I yeah. just kind of, I spent a lot of time alone because I, I figured Eric, you know, his, his childhood growing up was yeah. pretty lonely. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of people that he could talk to about this place called Wakanda that, yeah. you know, didn't exist. But he was told these stories. It's kind of similar to, I don't know, the stories that I was told as a kid, you know, about Africa yeah. and how it was. But I haven't been there. My parents haven't been there. Not at the time. So who knows that this place even exists or... You know, that's not what we're being taught in history yeah. books at school. It's not what we're being taught anywhere. Um, so how do I know this place really exists? So for Eric, you know, he had to keep all of this, all of this information into himself until he kind of planned. And, of course, it's an extreme, exaggerated version of, you know, the African, the African diaspora from yeah. the African-American perspective. So to be able to take that kind of pain and rage and... and um, and all those emotions that Eric kind of uh, represents from being black and brown here in America, I was able to kind of put that, you know, into a character and put it on screen. So that's something that I didn't take lightly, and I kind of, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't have a process. I'm not like one of these, you know, some people are methods or people are this or that. I just did whatever I felt 
I needed to do or whatever I felt was right in the moment every step of the way. So it was no real plan. I didn't have a, I didn't have an escape plan either. So really? like every day was just going into this place and I just tried to stay there as long as I could. And then when it was all over, I think, I think just being in that kind of uh, that mind state, that uh, that that real unapologetic, you know, just just real like you know whatever all the yeah. time, kind of kept it, it caught up with me in a, and like I, I got a little you know a little depressed. It was tough for me for a minute, you know, really? like just uh, readjusting to being around the people that care about me, getting that love that I shut out for a long time. Like I shut out love. I didn't want love and affection. You know, I wanted to be in this lonely place as long as I could in order to kind of capture the essence of what Eric, you know, Stevens was, what Killmonger was. So when, when we wrapped the film, you know, I'm like, in my mind, I was like, okay, cool, go back to, you know, regular life, get back to L.A., be cool. But it was a little tough for me at first to kind of, like, accept It was hard just to lay him down yeah. and be done with it. Yeah. How, did it take you a while? It took me, it took me, you know, I mean, I don't really know exactly when I came out of it, but, you know, I went, went to therapy, you know what I'm saying? I started talking to people, started unpacking a little bit. And I, and, and, you know, like, I find when, that when I so interesting. It. I find that so interesting because I think the body doesn't know the difference. I remember um, having this conversation with a famous actor once about uh, Anthony Hopkins. I was okay. saying, Anthony Hopkins, I feel for you because, you know, all the stuff you're taking in, you do so well. And he said, I, I used to not think about it, but as I've gotten older, I do think about it because he was say, saying that he had just done a film and he had said to the director he was going to do one wide shot and one close-up because mm -hmm. he had to have a heart attack because he didn't want to put his body in that state too many times yes. because your body doesn't know the difference when you get yourself into that state. And so that's why I think it's interesting for people to hear that even though you're playing this character, mm -hmm. sometimes the essence of that, the energy of that still remains. remains 1,000%. Still remains. And like your mind is so powerful, your mind will get your body past a threshold that it would have gave, given up on way before. Like, you're, like, like there were moments where physically I probably shouldn't have continued, but my mind was like, no, we're almost to the finish line. You got to get it past that. You got to get past that line. But as soon as I got past that line, my body said, okay, we can shut down now. Yeah. And then that would it, it would it would shut down after that. So I think I think honestly, therapy just talking to somebody was something that really helped me out a lot. And as a man, I think you know we get a lot of slack for it. Of you know you know you know not, you know you know I don't even talk to nobody. You know what I'm saying that whole you know what it is to be a yeah. man being masculine. You know you know like that. You know that doesn't. I don't really subscribe to that because I feel. I feel like everybody needs to unpack and talk, you know, whether it's, you know, at a therapist or, it's, you know, a, a close friend or a family yeah, member or somebody. Good. That's good. Because me mental Ill illness is real, you know, and it's, uh, it's a real thing. So you've named your company Outlier. Yes, ma'am. Why? After uh, one of my mentors, I mean, I don't even know if he knows he's a mentor, but I kind of look up to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, oh, yeah, Outliers. Of course. You know, yeah. like, yeah, um, it's one of his third. I love that book. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to me. And, and the, what he thought went into success. It the 10,000 hours? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was almost 10,000. It was almost 10,000 hours society, but it just didn't come off, right? Yeah. Our <laughs> last society sounded better. But um, that's where, you know, I kind of got the name from because I didn't want to be put in a box. I didn't want to be stereotyped. I wanted to go against the grain. I wanted to represent the people that felt like they were outsiders, like they were outliers. So I kind of wanted to create a society. But it doesn't mean you feel like you're an outlier, or does it? Oh, I'm an outlier. Definitely. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I wanted to create a society of, you know, like-minded individuals. So your company incorporated one of the first, actually, inclusion writers used in the industry. Mm -hmm. Explain what an inclusion writer is to the audience and how that works um, and why you did it. 
Uh, an inclusion writer is pretty much a tool. Well, historically in TV and film, you know, uh, people of color, women, uh, people from you know, the LGBTQ community uh, are underrepresented. You know, they, they don't really have a lot of opportunities in front of the camera and behind the camera. So, you know, and in, in, in Hollywood, people are used to hiring with people, you know, hire people that you know, people that you've worked with before, um, you know, people that you, you have a connection with. You know, it, it's, it's a cycle. And more often than not, that circle, those people that you, that, that, that are often being... Uh, they look like you. Again, they don't look like me. They, yeah. oh, they look like they look like them. They exactly. look like you hire the people that look like you. Disproportionately, yeah. you know, white yeah. and straight and male. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of the world that we live in. So when I heard Fran kind of come up with the inclusion right, I was sitting at home like, well, I was actually at the Oscars that day, that that year, and I was like, wow, there's a there's a title for it. There's a, there's a tool. There's a there's a policy that could be put into place. And I was like, oh, immediately we have to do that. We have to we have to include that in um, outliers, um, you know, non-negotiable, you know, moving forward. Which means, Which means that, that you're gonna my partners a... yeah. are going to have, you know, uh, that that it, it's a tool that holds people accountable. That you, it constantly reminds them of this. That you're not going to that you're not going to have a company where people say we couldn't find anybody. Exactly. You're constantly reminding people of the pool of talent that are underrepresented, like women, people of color, people from the LGBT. Which means community. you got to work harder every time. One thousand percent. So any partner that I work with, so Warner Brothers, I, I've collaborated with Warner Brothers to help with Warner Media to help write their inclusion policy for all of Warner Media, and that's a huge win because um, I feel like huge, huge first step, um, and I feel like it made it. Their first money in, you know, any of these big companies and these big yeah. corporations, nobody wants to be the first to do anything. But when you have arguably the number one studio in the world say that we're backing behind this vision, you know, you'll see other studios and production now, companies kind of fall Now, you can do line. anything you want. This is the moment. Because everybody's like, Michael says that we should have an inclusion writer. Yeah, no, and, no. Yes. And, and, and kudos to Amazon for willingly in open arms, you know, welcoming, you know, outlier society and our inclusion writer also in that deal. So my, my, my TV uh, first look deal is at Amazon, and they've uh, accepted that as well, so. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So you know what I'm really excited about? Uh, the trajectory of your life is, is astounding right now, and you are playing... Um, a role next year, I think it's coming out. Hopefully, this, yeah. Yeah, Just so. Mercy. What do you mean, Just oh. Mercy? No, not hopefully, but meaning like, you know how it is with dates and, you know, other films hopefully, coming out. Hopefully, I, like, I got to date. 2020 is coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. 2020, okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Oprah knows things that I don't know. Okay. She knows it all. It's she knows it all. Out. So it's Just Mercy. Have you all heard? You've heard of the book. If you haven't, it's one of those books that, as an American citizen, you have to read. It's based on the life of uh, de defense attorney uh, Brian Stevenson. And it's a book that I think as every human being should read, but particularly if you're an American, it, because it flips everything you thought you believed about the criminal justice system mm -hmm. and criminals. Brian has dedicated his life to providing free legal representation to inmates who may have been wrongly convicted or um, denied a fair trial. Yes. Okay, so you're playing him. I am. Set in the late '80s, early '90s, and Jamie Foxx is playing. Is playing the 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 um the falsely the inmate accused who's inmate falsely that, accused. Yeah, yeah, that I'm and, trying and to get off. Trying to defend and him. I'm trying to defend him. Yeah, Brie Larson plays uh you know um uh, a colleague, a coworker that kind of helped vi uh, Brian's vision kind of come to fruition. So it's a, it's an incredible cast. So is it a different kind of challenge to play somebody who is a real life person and still very much alive? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that that 
I, the pressure I put on myself to play this person that is so beloved, yeah. that is, nobody's perfect, but man, this He's guy pretty is close. pretty close, yes. right? Yeah. So I think after meeting the guy and seeing how he was and how everybody kind of, you know, you know, really looked up to him and, and, and the impact that he made, I kind of, I was a little nervous about this one, honestly, getting it right. I didn't want to do, I just wanted to get it right, honestly. So I spent a lot of time with him. At EGI, down at, at EGI, down, yep, down in, yeah. in Alabama, in the museum. And Have they you put seen up, the museum? The museum's incredible, well, and I encourage everybody to if go If you haven't seen the museum, museum. Where, where it's called the Peace and Justice Memorial, mm -hmm. where they have all of these hanging still rods oh. from the ceiling that has the name of every black person lynched. In that county. In that, in that particular in, in county. That county. Yeah. And they're encouraging, you know, the, you know, the mayors of that county to claim Come their memorial, claim them, yes. to bring it out, because... We haven't had that, We have, America hasn't had that closure, that we haven't had that healing process done here yet. And, nope. we feel like, and, and Brian's ideology behind that is, you know, we you have- You can't heal what you don't acknowledge. Exactly. And yeah. until we, if we're acknowledging the dirty, deep past that we've had, we can't move forward. Yeah. So that's another reason why I really wanted to get behind this, this project and play him to be able to, to give that Give the story some light. It needs to be seen. We, I, we're looking forward to that January 2020, 2020. okay? Yes, now, here's the deal. World domination. What does that really look like for you? You know, I always believe that every human being is looking for the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I always felt such a connection to my audience, because even as my life progressed and, you know, I was you know, wearing better shoes, my feet were still on the ground because mm. I understood that every human being is looking to fulfill the truest, highest expression of themselves as a human being. And you're doing that if you're a doctor, lawyer, mm. if you're a fireman, if you're a clerk, you're looking to fulfill the truest, highest version of yourself as a human being. Mm -hmm. What's that gonna look like for you, the truest, highest version? I'm still working on it because I. Like that work I was telling you, I kept putting myself last. Yeah. I want to start defining exactly who that person is. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think, you know, the goals have, you said, have been constantly changing for me and evolving. World domination is a broad goal that I want to have, but I don't really know. But you do recognize this. May I say this to your 32-year-old self? What? That it isn't just, it isn't the thing that you're looking for because if something terrible were to happen to you today, your life would already have had meaning and purpose. It's not yes. like purpose is coming. Purpose is already here. You've already defined purpose by the way you've lived your life. Mm -hmm. So there's more purpose, but you already have purpose. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, just yeah. letting you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, but I guess at 32, it's like, I guess, you know, world domination for me is, I guess, all of the things that I want to have happen and all the future things that I haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. You know, I enjoy creating things and putting other people on. I like seeing the good in people. I like seeing people's yeah. strengths and yeah, be like, how can I maximize that? Where, where should you go? How can I give you a vehicle or a lane in order for you to go be the best version of yourself? I, I enjoy that selfishly. Yeah. The hardest so, part is going to be surrounding yourself with people who... Mm -hmm not only share the vision, but can also execute the vision. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, right? Trial and error. I'm, Trial go I'm going through it. You're going through yes, it. Yes, ma'am. I know what that's like. Yeah. Listen, I wish you the best. You, Stay humble, ride this way. Yes, Thank you, Michael B. Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan!
I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work.